for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Good morning, Miles City. We are so happy that you're here with us today. And if this is your first time, we appreciate you making us a part of your day. We hope that you get encouraged and challenged while you're here. As we continue our series in 2 Timothy and thinking about the inspiration of God, God breathing, God exhaling, and how important that is. And we're thankful that he did exhale scripture. And though, even though it was written thousands of years ago in this letter that we're looking at was written thousands of years ago, there's still a lot that we can learn from this letter that applies to our life today. And so that's such a good drill. And we've, we've taken this theme of balloons and we've talked about balloons each week, trying to do some fun things, give you a little history. So the modern day balloon was invented by Michael Faraday back in 1824. But um, real balloons were created back many years before in the 1300 by the Aztecs. And they were created by inflating the intestines, stomachs, bladders of common animals. I mean, what a great way. I mean, it, then, to be honest, they weren't really used to spice up a, a kid's decor at their birthday party or anything like that, right? They were burned and sacrificed to the gods. Okay, they weren't just making balloon animals, they were actually making animals balloons. Um, from, thank you, I appreciate that, all right? I got another one coming up right here, all right? Here comes another one. First service, I got this one, and then I found out there was a lady, but anyway, from pig intestines to cat intestines, and I said, finally, a good use for cats. And then somebody told me after service that there was a lady here with a crazy cat lady sweatshirt on. I was like, ooh, she probably won't be back. But anyway, all right, if you like cats, you're welcome at Miles City. We, we'll pray for you, all right? But there's no, there was nothing to party about when the Aztecs made these balloons. By the way, just so you know, we are excited in our second service we have uh, Spanish-speaking people with us, and so we'll see some of the slides. You'll see some uh, Spanish on those for them, and it's being translated right now. And I was given a hard time by Ruby, who is Oscar's wife. Oscar is our, our Spanish pastor. About I didn't say all these Aztec names in here, so I said that was for her to translate into her deal. But the Aztecs, there's a couple, there's a type people, and then they would what they would do was the more. Um, the harder it was to catch an animal, the better a sacrifice it was. And so they would, they would sacrifice anything from um, birds and fish to things like jaguars and alligators, crocodiles, whatever they could find. But um, to maintain the shape and the beauty of their offering, what they would do is they would take the insides out, the bowels, the intestines, all that. They were clean, dried, turned inside out, and sewn with a vegetable thread that stuck to itself and left to dry out in the sun. This produced almost an airtight seal, very much like the balloon structure we have today, though. They didn't have helium back then. Can you imagine blowing these things up, all right? Exactly. It gives a whole brand new meaning to balloon animals. And believe this or not, this does tie into what we're talking about today, okay? I promise it does. Because this last little bit of Timothy that we're looking at today of 2 Timothy is talking about 
um, the sacrifice that Paul was willing to make. And just like these animals made a sacrifice, they, they were the balloons. They made an ultimate sacrifice. They gave their life. Paul was willing to sacrifice his life for the cause of Christ. He was willing to sacrifice his life for the Lord. And when we think about that word sacrifice, the definition that we're t- talking about is this. Sacrifice means an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else, regarded as more important or worthy. Giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. Now, as we look at this chapter today, as we look at these three verses, the question that I want to encourage us to ask ourselves is this. What am I willing to sacrifice for? What am I willing to sacrifice for? We label a lot of things as sacrifice. Uh, we, um, when we go on a diet, we sacrifice, right? I mean, it's a sacrifice to go on a diet. I'm... I started a brand new diet today, and so far I've made a big sacrifice. I haven't, I've only eaten a granola bar. I haven't drank any pop or anything like that. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, 14 hours into my brand new diet, and I'm, I'm sacrificing. I'm going to sacrifice donuts. Thankfully, nobody brought donuts today to eat, and it's been really easy for me because donuts are something I love dearly, all right? And I'm going to sacrifice sweets. I'm going to sacrifice fried foods. I mean, you think about all these sacrifices, and when you're 14 hours in, it's really easy. All right, come talk to me in about six hours, and we'll see how I'm doing sacrificing on my diet. Why? Because starting is easy, enduring is hard. When we say, I want to sacrifice something, it's, it's easy to, to start, it's hard to endure. How many times have we started diets? How many times have we started working out only to realize that, man, this sacrifice is hard, this enduring is hard? Getting married is easy. Staying married through trials, struggles, and adjustments is hard. Taking that bigger paycheck sounds great, but the increased pressure and responsibilities that it brings may be hard. Starting a new career sounds fun. Sometimes learning new things sounds fun, but then it becomes hard when they don't come as easily as we thought they would. When we're students, we get excited about the start of a new school year and starting classes and oh man I'm taking all these classes and how exciting is this but enduring through that is hard starting is easy enduring is hard so today as we look at this passage what I want us to encourage us to do is think about what was Paul willing to sacrifice for what was he willing to go on for but before we jump into it can we just take a moment and pray today heavenly father today we come to you and we're grateful for your love for us we're thankful for Uh, the sacrifice that you made on the cross for our sins. And God, I just ask over the next few minutes that Scripture would speak to our hearts. That, Lord, that you would uh, make it clear to us what you have for us. God, I ask that you would remove the distractions from our heart and our minds. And that we'd be able to focus on what you have for us, that the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to us, but also what the Word of God, what Scripture is speaking to us as well. Lord, I ask that I would say the words that you would have me to say, that I would uh, be open to your leading and that it wouldn't be my words but yours. And Lord, we thank you for how much that you love us and the sacrifice that you made for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you have a copy of the scripture, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. We're going to start in verse number 6. If you have a journal, go ahead and take that out um, and write down some things that stick out to you today to help you Uh, or encourage you later and remember what God is breathing out to you through scripture today. So 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 6. 
Tim, uh, Paul wrote this to Timothy, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. Just a reminder, Paul is switching his focus from Timothy to himself. The verses right before this passage, Paul has been talking to Timothy and talking about Timothy. And really, through the whole book, he's been trying to encourage Timothy like, hey, this is how you want to pastor. This is how you want to live your life. This is what you need to be willing to sacrifice. These are the things that are going to, this is what it's going to cost you if you sacrifice for me. And now Paul, sitting in this prison, writing this letter to Timothy, the last prison Paul will sit in because he knows that he's getting ready to go to trial where he's going to be found guilty and be put to death. He's going to be executed. So he knows these might be the last words that he ever writes. And he's turned his focus to him and he begins thinking about what his life has been. And so he says, hey, listen, I've already been poured out as a drink offering. That idea of drink offering there, the Jews understood this when the when the priest would go offer a sacrifice on the altar, they would take wine and they would pour it over the hot coals and that steam, that vapor, that mist would rise up. And it was a reminder that we're, our life is like that in God's eyes. We're to pour out ourselves for the cause of Christ. And Paul realized he had been poured out for the sacrifice of the gospel. His time of earth is done. And what helped Paul live a life of sacrifice was his recognition of the frailty of the present. He recognized the frailty of the present. He understood that our life on earth is not long. In light of all eternity, our life here on earth is but just very short. James understood this when James wrote in James chapter 4. He said this, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Paul understood this. He comes to the end of his life. And it's wrapping up and he says, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for eternity. He's ready to depart. When Paul wrote depart, that Greek word there has the idea of an anchor being pulled up on a ship. His ship is getting ready to sail. He's ready to go on this journey into eternity. Over and over through the letters that Paul wrote to the churches and to individuals, he talked about this journey that he would be going. He talked a lot about eternity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he wrote to the Corinthians, he said, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul understood that, hey, my life here is short. What I'm preparing for is the future. And it reminds us in our life, we have to ask ourselves, what sacrifice should I be making today for my Savior? What sacrifice should I be making today? What are, we, what are we holding on to? What are we not willing to let go? Paul lived a life understanding that it was just short. What, what this life has to offer is nothing. Paul many times would have to make tents just to make enough money to live on. Paul went through his adult life with pretty much nothing. And he did it because he said it's worth it. The sacrifice that God has called me to make, my Savior is worth his sacrifice. Sometimes we hold on to things in this life that really don't matter. Sometimes we make things so important in our life that really don't matter. Maybe it's a vehicle. Maybe it's a house. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a relationship that we're holding on to too tightly. What are we willing to sacrifice for our Savior? Maybe we need to be reminded today and celebrate the things that we have sacrificed for the Savior. 
One of the things that encourages us here at Mile City is every year we do the Extra Mile Initiative. And this year, we've decided that we wanted to sacrifice for our students, for our next generation. And we set a goal, and basically that goal got blown out of the water because so many of you have decided, you know what, I'm willing to sacrifice my time and my finances for the next generation. We need to celebrate that. We need to get excited about that. In fact, many of you weekly are giving to that extra mile. Some of you say, man, I'd like to get involved with that. You're more than welcome to. Come find me. I'll help you figure out how to get you involved. Why? Because we know it's important that not only we hear the gospel, but that the next generation hears the gospel. What sacrifices are we making today for the Savior? Celebrate when we do that. Be excited about what God is doing through you sacrifice. Paul goes on in verse number seven. He says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Here Paul uses three analogies as he looks back on the life that he's lived for Christ. You see the attitude of Paul is one of triumph through what he endured. Following Christ wasn't something that was easy for Paul. In fact, over it, I believe it's in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, Paul wrote some of the things that he endured for Christ. Five times it says he was beaten with 39 stripes. So if you've ever seen the Passion of the Christ and you see them beat Jesus with that cat of nine tails, that happened to Paul five separate times. Three times it says he was beaten by rods from the Romans. He was stoned by his enemies. He was shipwrecked. He spent a night and a day floating in the water. He said he faced dangers from robbers. He faced dangers from people, from Gentiles, in the city, in the open country, on the sea, from false brothers, from labor and hardship, facing many sleepless nights without food, without clothing. And he says that doesn't even mention the fact that all the daily pressure I have of caring for the churches is on me as well. And yet through all of this, Paul had a fondness for the past. He comes to the end and he says, listen, I've fought a good fight. That analogy there, growing up when he grew up and being around the Romans, the Romans would have boxing matches, but it wasn't like going and seeing Creed 3 and everybody feels good at the end of the match. No, they fought to the death. If you were in a boxing match, the winner was the person that was still alive. He said, I've fought the good fight. I've continued that fight. And he said, I finished the race. Several times in his ministry, he talked about running a race. Listen, I don't know about you, but there's nothing that appeals to me about running, especially not a marathon. Lord have mercy. What's wrong with you people? The thing I want to run to is the next meal. All right. The older I get, the shorter amount of distance. I don't mind running short distance. If I'm playing a sport, I understand running for that, but running for pleasure. What pleasure do you find in running for nothing? Nobody's chasing you. Hey, I read a cool story, though, that a guy did survive being chased down by a bear with a 22 caliber pistol. He said his friend didn't do so well, though. You'll get that later. But anyway, all right. <laughs> running. Paul, time and time again, said, listen, I'm running this race. I'm not giving up. I finished. Life is a marathon. I'm continuing on. Paul told the Ephesians elders his goal was to finish his course, and now he's telling Timothy, I have. 
And then he finishes with the fact that he's kept the faith. There's a couple ways that people translate this. The first one is he's kept the faith in the fact that he was willing to do what God had called him to do. On the road to Damascus, God calls him and Paul lived the rest of his adult life going around telling people about Jesus to different cities, starting churches. He's kept the faith. But some also believe that he might have been referring to the fact that he wasn't afraid to speak the truth of the gospel regardless. No matter who it was, no matter who he had to speak to, he was not willing to compromise the truth of God's word. Regardless of how you want to translate that, it could mean that he meant both things, but he was willing to stand for what was true. He'd kept the faith. This should remind us in our life that we uh, should pray, we should celebrate this past sacrifices that we have made. Here's Paul sitting in a prison cell waiting his death sentence, and yet he's celebrating with fondness to his past. And I read you some of the things that had happened to him. But he said, you know what? These sacrifices are worth it because I'm doing these for Jesus. Maybe we need to ask ourselves a question. What sacrifices have brought us victory? Maybe you've made sacrifices in your life that have allowed you to see the salvation of a relative or a friend or a coworker. Maybe last weekend you got to celebrate the baptism of someone that you made sacrifices for so that they could hear the gospel. Maybe there's been victories in your life because you've been willing to make sacrifices and you need to learn to celebrate those. Maybe it's seeing others grow in the faith. Maybe if you're a parent, it's celebrating the fact that your kids are following after Jesus with your life because you're willing to make sacrifices. All of us need to celebrate those victories that have come because of the sacrifices we've been willing to make. So Paul finishes this thought in verse number eight. He says this, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul's now done reminiscing. He's done thinking about the past. He's done thinking about the present. He starts thinking about the future. What we see is Paul was able to live a sacrificial life because his focus was on the future. He knew what was waiting for him on the other side. He had no doubt that this is what I'm working for. In this passage, he mentions the crown of righteousness. And in Scripture, we see that there's five different crowns that are mentioned that a believer, a follower of Christ can get when they get to heaven. The first one is found in 1 Corinthians 9. It talks about an incorruptible crown. It's given to those who are faithful in pursuing Christ. Then here in 2 Timothy 4, we see the crown of righteousness mentioned for those who love the appearing of Christ, for those who are looking for Jesus to come back. In 1 Thessalonians 2, we see a crown of rejoicing given to those who tell others about Jesus, sometimes called the soul winner's crown. In 1 Peter 4, it's the crown of glory for those that serve diligently in preaching and teaching the gospel to others. And the last crown mentioned in Scripture is found in James 1, verse number 12. And that's the crown of life, which is sometimes called the martyr's crown for those that lose their life for the cause of the gospel. Now, I can pretty confidently say that probably the Apostle Paul got all five of these crowns. When we think about that, is that, is that what we're living our life for? Are we living our lives so that we can get a bunch of crowns? I mean... 
when do we get the crowns? How does this work? When we die, is Jesus standing there waiting to put crowns on our head? Do we wait till the judgment seat of Christ? I mean, the, the scripture really doesn't tell us. What's the purpose of these crowns? Well, I think in Revelation 4, it gives us a little idea. It says the 24 elders, which if you study Revelation, the elders represent those that follow after Christ. Revelation 4, it talks about they lay their crowns at the feet of Jesus. I don't know when we get them. I don't know if we get them right when we walk up to the pearly gate and, you know, Peter's there with, he's there, here's your crowns. But it's not for us to wear around and say, look what I did. For us to say, look what he did. Paul understood this. In Romans chapter 15 and verse number 18, he said this. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. To bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. We lay our crowns at his feet because Jesus is worthy of them. He deserves them. It's an act of worship on our part. We're recognizing how worthy Jesus is of everything that we sacrifice. Charles Spurgeon once said this. He said, he wore my crown, the crown of thorns. I wear his crown, the crown of glory. Paul's, Paul's motivation in life was not recognition. He was not so people could see what a great person he was, what a great apostle he was. His motivation was what Jesus had done for us, what Jesus had done for him. That reminds us that we don't sacrifice for crowns, we sacrifice for Christ. I've, I've grown up in a, a preacher's home. My dad's been a pastor my whole life. And one of the things um, that is easy for me to do is I know how Christians should act and what they should say. And I'll be honest, a lot of times my motivation for doing things isn't for Jesus, but it's so people recognize me. I like recognition. I'm just going to be honest. It feeds the animal that's inside of me. It feeds my flesh. And there's been a lot of things that I've done in the name of Christ that really were in the name of Barry so that people would recognize what a good person I was. Unfortunately, that doesn't fly. I want to live my life not so I can achieve a crown. Not so I can wear something and say, look at me. But so that I can take that crown and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Say, look what he did for me. That's why Paul did this. That's why Paul was willing to make these sacrifices in his life. At the start of today's talk, we talked about starting is easy, enduring is hard. Some of us, we might be sitting here today and we started out good. I mean, there are times where we hit these highs in our Christian life and man, they are so exciting and we get excited about what God's doing. I mean, if you didn't get pumped up after last Sunday, I don't know what will pump you up in the Christian life. But seeing those people follow the Lord in baptism and giving to say, hey, I've given my life to Christ and I want you to know about it, man, that's exciting. But what do we do when we're in the valley? Are we enduring? Are we willing to sacrifice? See, we sacrifice, all of us sacrifice for what's important to us. Think about it. 
Some of you spend hours every week and money you don't really have for your child to play sports or build robots or be able to wear the latest shoes or carry around a $1,000 phone. Why? Because your kids are important to you. They're worth the sacrifice. Some of us sacrifice a nice-looking car so we can save money for a down payment on a house. Why? Because a house is important to us. Some of us sacrifice time at home so we can do more work at our job. Why? So we can get a promotion. Why? Because a promotion is important to us. These things in and of themselves are not bad. There's nothing wrong with having a nice house or taking care of your kids or having a better job. But all those things should pale in comparison to the sacrifice that we're willing to make for Jesus Christ. And it brings me back to that question, what am I willing to sacrifice for? Am I willing to sacrifice my health for the cause of Christ? What about my job? What about my kids? This last January, my son went off to Bible college to learn how to be a preacher, which is exciting in itself. But when the reality of the fact that he might never come home hits you, it kind of stinks. What are we willing to sacrifice for the cause of Christ? It's easy for other people to sacrifice, but what am I willing to give? Is he that important to me? Sometimes in my life, I haven't been willing to sacrifice getting up a few minutes early to read my Bible because my sleep was more important to me than my Savior. Why do we do that? Why is this so important? Because I'll be honest, from the outside looking in, we look crazy. I'm just telling you straight up. After first service, I talked to a girl and she said, man, I've given my life to Christ and I'm trying to live for him and it's been really hard. I was like, yeah, it can be. It's not easy. But the reason we do it is because he's worth it. The reason we do it is because he sacrificed everything he had for us so that we could have a relationship with him. Maybe today you sit here and you're like, man... My life, I just don't know what's worth living for. Can I tell you Jesus Christ is worth living for? And this room is full of people that agree with me on that point, and that's why they're here today, because Jesus Christ is worth sacrificing for. And if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, you can. He made it so easy for us when it was so hard for him. The reason he left heaven. The reason he left his father that loved him was so that he could live a life to die on a cross for our sins, our sins that separate us from God, the things that we do contrary or opposite of God's will for our life. Those sins have to be paid for. And Jesus said, I'll pay for them for you. And so he gave his life on the cross. And he died so that we could have a relationship with him. While he was on that cross, his father that loved him unconditionally turned his back on him because he couldn't look at the sin that he was bearing. 
And three days later, he rose again from the dead so that we could have a relationship to show that he has power over sin and death. And today, if you're looking for something to sacrifice for, can I promise you Jesus is worth it? It doesn't make our life easier. Sometimes it gets a lot harder, but it does make our life better. And it gives us a home in heaven with him for all of eternity. Our life is just but a vapor. It's just a mist compared to all of eternity. So if we could just bow our heads in an attitude of prayer. And today, if that's your desire, if you sit here today and say, you know what, I, I want something worth sacrificing for, can I encourage you to make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life? It's not some special words that you say. It's not anything that you have to pay for. Jesus paid for it with his life on the cross. But it does have to be an attitude in your heart of saying, I'm going to turn from my sin and turn to the Savior. And today, if that's your desire, just say something like this. Say, Jesus, I confess my sins to you. Jesus, I believe that you are God. And I want to thank you for not only dying on the cross for my sins, but also rising from the dead again. Today, the best I know how, I lower my pride. And I make you the Lord and the Savior of my life. Lord Jesus, we thank you for those that have made that decision today. God, I ask that you would even now speak peace to their hearts. That they would understand that you love them. And that not only do they now have a home in heaven, but they also, Scripture teaches us, have a relationship with you. And nothing can separate them from the love that you have for them. God, I ask for those of us that know you as our Savior that Lord, we would live a life of sacrifice for you. Not just so people will see how great a person we are. No, we want to see how great a Savior that we serve. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now today, if you made that decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, can I encourage you to do something that's let somebody know? And we would love to know. We'd love to come alongside you. We believe at Miles City that moving together is better. And so if you would just take a minute and catch me in the hall or fill out that green card on the top that says there, I, I made a decision, I made a faith move today. You can text the word Miles City to 94,000. There's going to be a screen that pops up with options. You could put in there today that you made a faith move. But we would love to celebrate that with you. Say, why do you want to know so bad? Because we want to encourage you.